Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor at Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Okay, this week we have, I have the great pleasure of talking to Charles Ardai, and I hope I'm, I'm pronouncing your name right. I'll you are. To me. Excellent. perfect. Um, uh, the founder of Hardcase uh, Hard Crime, uh, the Hardcase Crime imprint at Titan, uh, at Titan Books. But more recently, also the founder of Hard Case Crime Comics. Uh, and that's what we're here today to talk about. So thanks, Charles, for being on More to Come. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. Um, well, you know, j- t- t- just to let our listeners, uh, in fact, I'm sure, obviously, comics people and crime readers, there's a big overlap there. Um, but I still would love to hear you maybe tell us a little bit about Hard Case Crime, the uh, uh, the imprint, Um and, and and then we'll go a little bit about yourself. Sure, no, I'm I'm delighted to. So I I'm a, I'm a writer by by background. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote for magazines when I got started, and eventually uh, started writing mystery stories just because I love mysteries. Mm-hmm. And at one point, about a dozen years ago, I got together with a friend of mine, uh, Max Phillips, and we both were sitting drinking at the Algonquin Round Table hey. Room uh, and <laughs> talking bad. about why, why doesn't anyone publish the kind of crime novels <laughs> they used to publish back in the fifties, forties, fifties, sixties? They were mm-hmm. these. Skinny little books. You could buy them for a quarter. They all had gorgeous cover paintings of beautiful women and men with fedoras and guns. And the stories in them were short. They were maybe 170 pages. Mm -hmm. And they were fast. And they grabbed you on page one and didn't let you go until you were deposited breathless on page 170. They were great (laughs) stories. They had the flavor of Raymond Chandler, Dashiell Hammett, James M. Cain. But by the time Max and I started writing our stories and our books, no one was publishing books like this anymore. Books were 300 pages. um, They were slow. They didn't have art on the covers. And we said, why don't we just do it ourselves? So Mm. we started Hard Case Crime to revive the look and feel and length and style of the old pulp paperbacks. And we thought we would do 6, 10, 12 books, and that would be the end of it. We would enjoy it. Nobody else would, and we'd shut (laughs) the thing down. But what happened is 10 years later, 12 years later, we kept doing it because people kept coming back yeah. saying, I love those books. I love those books too. And that included both readers and writers like Stephen King who yeah. came and wrote two books for us and Lawrence Block and Ed McBain and even Mickey Spillane who was at the end of his life when he first saw our books and he said, those remind me of the good old days. So <laughs> for we, good we've reason. kept it going and it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, uh, th- that's for sure. Um, you've also won multiple what Edgar um, awards, uh-huh. Seamus awards. The, you know the top prizes in the crime and mystery field. That's right. Thank you. And then, so we've talked uh, for years about ways we could expand into other areas. And one of the things that I've loved for as long as I've re- loved reading crime novels is comics. You know, I was a DC boy. Uh-huh. I used to collect the Flash back before anyone had ever heard of the Flash. Now, of course, he's on TV, so everyone knows who he is. But back <laughs> when I was a kid, it was all, do you mean Flash Gordon? No, I don't mean Flash Gordon. I mean the guy who runs fast. Barry Allen. So I was, I was a big <laughs> comics reader. But crime comics are a very specialized thing. I mean, there was Dick Tracy in the newspapers, Mm -hmm. but by and large, comics were men in tights with capes or maybe vampires, you know, things like that. But crime comics were never quite at that level. But over the last five years or so, you've started to see uh, new genres become popular. So when Darwin Cook, for example, the brilliant late Darwin Cook, did his uh, gorgeous IDW adaptations of uh, Donald Westlake's uh, uh, Parker books, everyone – Love them, and rightly so. And eventually we said, you know what? Hard Case Crime is as much about the visuals, the art on our covers, mm-hmm. as it is about the types of stories we tell. Why don't we take another leap further into the art world and tell illustrated stories? So that's where Hard Case Crime comics came from. 
So, yeah, and um, uh, just in your mission, mentioning of Dar- Darwin Cook, I mean, he actually brought that same atmosphere, really, even to his superhero comics. I mean, that's right. There know. was the Justice League uh, sort of retro style oh, uh, yes. piece he did, which mm. was gorgeous. And uh, he did a great um, he did a great uh, uh, story about Catwoman. Uh, and going to yes. Las Vegas yes, that's right. His Catwoman was great, was too. So awesome. he, he was a one of a kind talent. But yes. there and there's no one quite like him. But there are other one of a kind talents. And we relish finding them, putting their work on the page. And uh, and it, it doesn't mean that uh, every comic book reader is going to want stories that uh, that don't have superpowers in them. But the same person who likes Marvel movies probably likes a James Bond movie once in a while. And that's the, the sort of thought we have, where they like Ocean's Eleven. Our books, our comics, are sort of the Ocean's Eleven, the James Bond alternative to watching Ant-Man and Thor and so on every time. And Yeah, and it's, it's – uh, I mean the comics um, – obviously you're a great lover of comics. And certainly, I mean, there's, a, there's a, a tie between comics and kind of classic pulp crime literature, isn't there? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So the pulp, the, the term pulp came from the bad quality paper that pulp yes. magazines mm-hmm. were printed on back in the 20s, 30s. And they were roughly the shape and size of comic books and were sold on newsstands. So to begin with, they were competing for the same dimes and quarters and nickels back in the Depression that people could otherwise spend on comics. And what happened was that the pulp magazines published the more lurid adult stuff. So your dad would read the pulp magazine. You would read the comic, you know, <laughs> you with go. Huey, Dewey, and Louie but, and, and Superman. But, but dad would read the pulp magazine and hide it under the bed so mom wouldn't see. And so pulp <laughs> crime fiction in some ways was the, uh, was the, the sort of the grown-up version of comic books told in words more than in pictures. Um, but often pulp magazines had uh, bits of illustration inside or even comic pages inside. And that's actually how Mickey Spillane got his start, the famous Mickey Spillane who created Mike mm-hmm. Hammer, uh, who was this this uh, huge best-selling detective character in prose novels. Um, he began as a comic book illustrator. And so there there is definitely mm-hmm. crossover between the two. Great. Uh, so tell us more about um, um, Hard Case Crime Comics and how it actually how it fits within the Titan world. Because you're sure. You're so Titan is this company. Uh, <laughs> Titan's a terrific company. They're based mm-hmm. in in England, in London, England, uh, but they're really a worldwide company, sure. and they have several different divisions. They publish traditional books with words on a page. They publish art books, which includes compilations of old comic books and comic strips like they did, I think, all the old Beetle Baileys and all the old Peanuts and the old Modesty Blaze and James Bond comic strips. And they've got beautiful archival stuff like that for collectors. And then they have a division called uh, Titan Comics. And they publish all the Doctor Who comics, for instance, which are hugely popular. And they publish any number of other sort of uh, out of traditional genre comic books. Uh, They do movie adaptations and so on. But they also do... um, straight one-off runs of maybe four or five issues that then get collected in graphic novel form. And we have a relationship with them because they're the ones we work with to actually print and distribute Mm -hmm. our traditional novels. So we went to uh, Nick Landau and Viv Chung, who are the Mm -hmm. couple that own and run Titan, and we said, you know what, why don't we experiment with Hard Case Crime comics since you already have all the infrastructure you need to do it, and all we have to do is, is port the brand over to a new a new medium and they've been terrific i just uh, they have been invaluable in terms of sourcing material and mm-hmm. artists to do this sort of work uh, and we work together closely to pick which writers which artists and um and how to present it all yeah i know they, they really are an all-purpose uh, pop 
culture um, platform, if you know, to use <laughs> That's that right. word. Because they, they even publish little bobblehead dolls based yeah, on Ghostbusters and all sorts of things. They even have, I mean, and I, as I understand, they have stores uh, also. Uh, in, in, in the, the UK, UK, at least. I don't yeah. know if they have any in the US, but in the UK, yeah. they own and run the Forbidden Planet store, which yeah. is huge. That's yeah. one of the great pop culture stores of all time. I mean, uh, I wrote a story about them a little while back. I, I mean, I think I quoted you in it too, but I also, um, I think I called them uh, pop culture any way you want it. So yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's right. And, yeah. and they're real, true dyed in the wool geeks themselves. I mean, they, they do this because they love it. This is not just a business for them. This is a passion. Yes. And that's what makes it so much fun to work with them on. And and, and it's something you can say about the pop culture, uh, you know, category altogether. All I mean, that's people, right. People of great passion uh, come to this um, come to this category for, for a variety of stuff. Uh, but tell us about the list you've got. Now, I've read. Sure. Peep Land and and Trigger Man. So I, I I definitely want to talk about them in particular. But but tell us about your, your first. They were they were released as periodical comics, and now the book right. collections are hitting the market. Right. So we did five issues each of Peep Land and Trigger Man. Trigger Man was written by the movie director Walter Hill and mm-hmm. published as a five issue. Uh, actually, it was published in France, in French, mm-hmm. uh, as a standalone graphic novel, and then we put it out as a five-issue periodical and then recollected it in English as a, as a graphic novel. Peepland was completely original to us. Krista mm-hmm. Faust is one of our authors. She wrote Money Shot and Chokehold, which were two terrific books for us, mm-hmm. and she really wanted to do a story about her based on her experience as a teenage girl growing up in Hell's Kitchen in New York, she worked as a peep show girl in Times Square, back when there were still peep shows in Times Square. By the way, there is still one, but only one. And back then, that was the whole environment. This was before Giuliani, before Disney. And she worked in one of these glass-walled booths with guys putting money in a slot so they could see her naked. And she wanted to tell that story. And this was a perfect story for comic books because she wanted to show people what it actually looked like. And so when we were working with the artist on it, she would say, no, the peep booth looked like this. It was this large. It was not that large. It didn't have a phone. It was great. She said, you know, no, the thong underwear, they didn't have that in 1988. They had this other thing. You know, it's higher. And the earrings, you had earrings, but you didn't have nose rings. You didn't have piercings in the lip. So she got all those details so carefully right that by picking up a copy of Peepland, you not only get a good crime plot, and you do get that, but you get the visuals of 1980s Times Square, which is a it's it's a world that's gone. It's gone. So this forever. is your last yes. chance in some way to see it through the eyes of someone who was there, and that's that's just great fun. Well, I connected with it. I mean, I got to New York City in 1981, and uh, I remember. Ah, then you know of, it. One of my first uh, one of my first roommates took me to Times Square. <laughs> So uh, believe me, she has the details down, as of course she would if she were yeah. here. So let's just leave it at that. But let's just say I'm familiar uh, okay, with, the, with the area, with the with the atmosphere. Uh, and I think with Peepland, because I think there was a big Peepland. There was a giant Peepland between, on 42nd Street between 7th and 8th Avenue. Um, There was definitely something like that on the corner of um, 8th Avenue, right across from Port Authority. But I forget if that was called Peepland or it was called something else. But it was the same thing, spiritually. And by the way, I should give credit. I just want to make sure that, you know, Krista had – it was Krista's brainchild. But in terms of writing the series, she worked closely with Gary Phillips, who's another terrific Mm -hmm. uh, crime writer. 
he's based out of the West Coast, but you know he has plenty of experience in LA that 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 echoed this, and yeah. so Gary did a phenomenal job as well. Yes, and he's written sure comics uh, before. If I'm not, he mistaken. has. That's right. He did the underbelly, the yeah. rinse. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's a terrific comic writer. So so and then uh, in terms of so Walter Hill's uh, story, he wrote scripts for movies that he never managed to get uh, produced, and he was approached by this team of uh, writer and artist in France named uh, Max and Jeff. Those mm-hmm. are the writer and the artist respectively. And they said, could we take one of these unproduced scripts and turn it into a graphic novel? He thought it was a good idea, and they tried it. And they enjoyed it so much, all three of them, that they did it a second time. They went back, and they took another script called The Assignment about a hitman who gets turned into a hit woman surgically against his will. It's yes, well, that's, a, that's the assignment. Yes. I, yeah, that's the assignment. I, I just started and, you know, reading that. The funny thing is it went, it went 360 degrees. It started as a movie script. He couldn't raise the financing to make it as a movie. He agreed to make it as a comic book. They put it out as a comic book. We bought the rights to do it in the United States. They did it only in France. And then he succeeded in raising the money. And then he made the movie. And now you can go get the movie, which stars Sigourney Weaver as a mad doctor and Michelle Rodriguez as the hitman turned hit woman. And it's a movie now. So you can watch it. You can read the comic book Mm. to see what it was originally meant to be like. And then you can watch the movie. So it's, it's kind of fun the way that worked out. Well, this is a really impressive line. I I I am um I want to jump back just a little bit to sure. Peepland, um uh, because it really is uh, uh the anthropology of New York, uh, really, and of, of New York yeah. specifically of Times uh, Times Square, and certainly of the sex worker industry uh, at that time. And folks, New York was a lot creepier um, than you know. <laughs> people seem to realize now oh yeah although creepy in different ways it was at least overt in its creepiness yes, you know the the, yes. <laughs> the violence was out there the crime was out there uh no one was hiding it you know the the, the people i remember being mugged across from port authority it was a very honest transaction it was dishonest it was criminal but sure. it was on the surface, you know. Uh, now we still have criminals, but they uh, they live in high rises and sometimes go to become presidents. <laughs> yeah, <it's> something. <laughs> yes, you, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, uh, I I think uh, uh, one of the things, uh, one of the little uh, added uh, supplements to uh, to people, and uh, at the end of it, I know you do contribute a short essay about getting mugged in Times Square. That's right. Uh, That's right. Uh, which was a pretty pretty common occurrence back in the day. Um, yep. But the but the story also uh, includes, I think, a couple of really key events in 1980s New York that it, that you use as part, of, or rather, that the creative team uses as part That's of the right. plot. Yeah, the, there was the you, Robert what, Chambers, the, the the rough sex murder in, in Central yeah. Park, where uh, Robert Chambers killed a girl named Jennifer Levin, uh, and then said it was just rough sex. He didn't mean to kill her. He he accidentally strangled her, or broke her neck. I forget which it was. Yes. Uh, that was one famous case. And then there was the Central Park jogger case, where a group of I think it was five black teenagers were accused of raping uh, a, a white jogger who was yeah. running. And it was it was false. They were being railroaded, and it became uh, widely known later that it was false. But they were almost railroaded, uh, you know, to the electric chair, which was just a horrifying miscarriage yeah. of justice. So. That's one of the things we're trying to deal with in this book that Krista and Gary really brought forth, the, you know, the, the underlying racism, the real danger to people who were at the margins of society and couldn't rely on the police to protect them, uh, the way the media could flare up and inflame 
tensions unfairly. It's it's all in there. It's all mm-hmm. packed in there. Uh, and and if you think that one of the uh, real estate developer characters with blonde hair looks familiar, maybe maybe that's an accident. Maybe it's maybe true. Maybe. Yeah, hmm. <laughs> uh, what, a, a character who ran all kinds of ads defaming these. Uh, that's young right. Men at, exactly. At the time. So, you know, it's yeah. not to say it happened. It's it's all just make believe. It's all right? fiction, though. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we we did. Uh, yeah, we we wanted to you know, tell a fun story, but also one that made people think. Uh, and Krista also, um, uh, who I also hope to talk with, um, mm-hmm. offers a short essay in there about growing up in Hell's Kitchen and and working in the in the trade. That's right. Yeah, and and you know she is very open about it, which is wonderful. She's certainly not sugarcoating it. There were plenty of things about it that I don't think she remembers fondly, but it was a time and a place, and it was a thing to do, and she did it, and uh, and it is now the the seed from which this very interesting creative project grew. And I have to tell uh, people, um, uh, hard-boiled uh, is about the only way to describe uh, this story. Uh, I'll <laughs> leave you. it at that. Uh, uh-huh. Well worth so reading. We, no spoilers. Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't give away the ending. Yeah. But no, it's, it, it is, it's, it's a good it's story. <laughs> Grim, gritty, bleak, all those things, but yeah. hopefully fun for people to read yeah. as well. And we've got a couple of them coming up. I, I you know, won't go too far out into the future, but uh, the next one, which we've announced already – uh, the next ones, I should say, there's an adaptation of uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo that's going to have really nice art and oh, some, really? some wonderful mm-hmm. covers. Uh, everyone knows what that one's about, so I don't have to tell you, but it's just it's fun to do that one. Uh, we have a, uh, a noir story set in Washington, D.C., all about the corruption and dirty underbelly of Washington, D.C. in the 1970s. Uh, we didn't think it would be quite as timely as it just turned out to be. It's called uh, called Normandy Gold, about a, a sheriff, a, a woman named Normandy Gold, who comes to Washington to look into uh, the murder of her kid sister, and she uncovers all sorts of seedy things in 1970s D.C. And it's written by Megan Abbott and Allison Galen, who are both really popular, up-and-coming, very hot crime writers in, again, traditional novels, and this is their uh-huh. first uh, first graphic novel. And then finally, we have we announced we're doing a quarry graphic novel. Max Allen Collins, who is oh, the really? best-known right. comic book creator of all of us, you know, he, he did Road to Perdition, and sure. he did write Dick Tracy for 10 years, and he's done Batman. Uh, so Max Allen Collins is, has a character named Quarry, who is the star of a Cinemax uh, TV series. Uh, it was an eight-episode series last year. I don't know if it's coming back for another season. I hope it does. And Quarry was, was also the star of 12 novels. This will be the first time Quarry ever appears in comics, and it's a brand new story. It's not an adaptation of something from the TV show. It's brand new. Quarry was a Vietnam vet who came back from the war and couldn't get a job, and the only thing he was good at was killing people, and he became a professional killer, an assassin for hire. And in this story, we uh, that's all backstory. We never got mm-hmm. to see Quarry in Vietnam in the books, but in this comic, for the first time, we're actually going to see Quarry's experience in Vietnam. Half the book is set in Vietnam, and uh, we see him fighting side by side with another soldier who's his, uh, you know, his best buddy there. And when he comes back stateside, his new assignment is to kill that man. Wow! And that's a really serious moral quandary. And how it works out is what you'll find out in Quarry's War. Great. Now, I heard a rumor that you might yep. be writing one of the books. Um, <laughs> I, I, I am. I'm writing a book called Gun Honey. There you and, go. Uh, okay. <laughs> Gun Honey is the story of a uh, of of a uh, weapons expert, a beautiful young female weapons expert. She doesn't use weapons. She's not a killer, unlike Quarry. Her job is to get you the weapon you need, where you need it, when you need it, no matter how difficult. So if you need a gun inside the Kremlin, inside a high-security prison, inside the Vatican, she can get you what you need. It's a little like that scene in The Godfather where Michael Corleone goes to the bathroom and feels sure. behind the tank of the toilet – 
and there's a gun there. Well, who put the gun there? Somebody had to put it there. That's her job. And so, uh, right. needless to say, things go wrong. So, yeah, I, I have written the first issue only so far. But the other three are coming, and that, that should be a lot of fun, All right. Too. Well, we, we can't wait to see that. But I, I <laughs> do you. want to return just for a second yeah. to Trigger Man because I was so impressed with it. It is elegant, brutal, in relentless atmosphere, beautiful art. Light, the writing is uh, as tough guy, lively as you can get. <laughs> I mean, it. this uh, – I, I, I was very impressed with the, the whole – thing with trigger man that's great yeah so, and you know the the author is french and he wrote it in french uh but he's a he's a passionate fan of of traditional noir crime fiction in english uh his english is in fact very good although it was translated and uh, it definitely has that feeling it's a little bit walter hill a little bit of him a little mm-hmm. bit of everyone and but it it feels like you're reading a movie in some yeah. ways and that that's that's just great fun. And it's drawn like a movie. I mean, it, there's it's so, every like image in there is just psychotic. Uh, <laughs> it, it really is almost the every action panel. Is really, yeah. There's a lot. I of mean, every panel is it's like a poster for the move for the yeah. for the entire book. It's it's really impressive. Uh, look, well, this is really great. Um, uh, can't wait to see the, the next you. line of um, Hard Case Crime Comics. I've already started the assignment. Uh, Excellent. Well, well, you're going to like that one. And uh, yeah, keep keep an eye out in comic book stores for them. Fans can keep an eye out there, but they'll also all get collected. You know, when we have four or five issues, enough to fill a book, a complete story, you'll find them as uh, full-size, perfect-bound compilations, and we're happy for you to get them either or both ways. Okay. Well, look, it's been a pleasure uh, talking with you, Thank Charles. You. Thanks for being on More to Come. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly uh, uh, podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor at Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. All right, terrific. Um, This week, or rather now, we're talking uh, with really the the co-creators of Peepland, the author, Krista Faust, uh, her co-writer, Gary Phillips, um... Um, we'll you know we're, we'll throw in some good words for Andrea uh, Camerini as well, the artist for the for this book. Uh, look, thanks to to the both of you for being on uh, More to Come. Hey, no problem. Yeah, thanks for having us, Calvin. Uh, look, so I talked with Charles, uh, your publisher, yesterday to kind of give me the background on Hard Case Crime Comics, and in, and on the whole line of books that are coming out. Uh, from Hard Case Con Comics, but now I really want to obviously talk with the both of you about how you put this tale together. Um, I uh, I arrived myself in New York City in uh, 1981. Uh, I know the uh, the the Deuce, the 42nd uh, Street, the area, the Times Square that you're writing about. It's gone forever, uh, but you bring it back to life in this book. <laughs> uh, maybe I know it too well, um, but anyway. Uh, uh, I, I can verify uh, the the work that you've done, uh, but Krista, obviously, you have a very unique <laughs> you have a very unique uh, you know role, uh, if I may describe it that way in this book. I mean, uh, you know the area, you know the sex trade. Tell us more about um, yourself and you know what you bring to people in. Yeah, sure thing. Well, I uh, I grew up uh, on Forty Fifth Street and Ninth Avenue uh, there in Hell's Kitchen, mm-hmm. the area known as Hell's Organic Gluten-Free Bistro. <laughs> okay. So it is different. It was when I was growing up there. Just a little bit, yeah. And, um, and so I kind of, I was born in 69. And so, you know, I grew up through the 70s and 80s, you know, in that neighborhood and saw 
you know, the changes that were coming around, you know, uh, starting in the late 80s, early 90s, when you started to see the creep of, uh, of big changes coming to the deuce. Uh, I worked in the peak booths myself uh, mm-hmm. as a young woman, and uh, a lot of what I wanted to do with creating people and was to show the truth, the reality of what that job is like, because it's so often portrayed, sex workers are so often portrayed either as evil temptresses or innocent victims. And, you know, we're just doing a job, just like everybody else. I wanted to show the story from our side of the glass. Uh, and well, and, and you do as well, and it's uh, and you bring these characters to life, but it's a tough story. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Gary it's, and I both are, are noir mm-hmm. authors. I mean, that's kind of the the angle that we're coming from. Those are the types of stories that we like to tell. Plus, you know, for me, the stories of those sort of forgotten, marginalized people, you know, who don't normally get to take center stage and tell their experiences, you know, that's also part of what we wanted, you know, and unfortunately people like that don't really always live happily ever after. No, that's true. Um, okay, I'm going to jump over to Gary, because obviously, uh, I mean, Gary, you're like uh, a, a noted crime novelist, and I should say also, Krista, you are too. You, I mean, uh, you're a, a novelist as well, then this is your first graphic novel, is that right? That's correct. Yeah, and, and you're also published by Hard Case Crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Uh, I'm going to jump over to Gary again, but uh, I mean, you've uh, uh, you've published numerous uh, novels. Uh, you're, I know L.A. is usually your, if I'm not mistaken, your uh, your stomping grounds. But right. you've also worked in the comics industry. You've written for DC and Oni Press, I think, and Dark Horse. So that's you, right. You what what what's your role here to, uh, in, in this in putting people in together? <laughs> well, uh, my role is just to help supply some of the mortar. In the bricks that uh, that uh, <laughs> that Krista Krista build in the story. Sure. Well, no, no. Um, listen, I mean, it, it, right? It, I mean, as Krista already talked about, I mean, uh, she brings the, that authenticity, uh, you know, to to this experience. And but and you know, we've known each other for a while, but this is the first time we've worked together uh-huh. in you know in a collaborative uh, way in terms of a writing project. Uh, and it actually worked out pretty well. I mean, because I think because we we met beforehand, we kind of doped out. As Krista said, sort of the main story, as well as in what was the uh, what were the subplots we wanted to touch upon, you know, in telling the story. Uh, and I think obviously one of the subplots, and it's, I think it's pretty clear to the readers, uh, 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 takes its cue from the infamous uh, Central Park Five yes. uh, case, uh, which also, not coincidentally, uh, also involves actually. Um, there's a you know there's a, a Trump-like character in the mm-hmm. story. Yes. <laughs> with, you're right, Simon Went, who led the charge mm-hmm. to uh, help uh, the, the real Trump and, and our fictional uh, fictionalized version led the charge to help sort of uh, Disneyland fi Forty uh, Second Street and that area. But also then was one of the ones who uh, who talked about you know these uh, when these young men were caught and ra- and uh, and railroaded into prison talked about you know killing them or you know. Away for for years and years, and even now when they've been exonerated, when when all the evidence is clear sure. that they were mm-hmm. railroaded, he still talked about that. You know what I mean? So it's anyway, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, we, we know we know his his limitations, uh, <laughs> uh, his profound limitations. Uh, but there's another subplot too, another like infamous uh, '80s case that figures as kind of material mm-hmm. in this story, right? The Preppy Killer. Ah, uh, yes, indeed, absolutely, and. Uh, 
And yeah, that was part of what we wanted to do was take these little elements, you know, and, and sort of remix them, you know, in a, in a new way. The idea of somebody that has essentially a free pass, you know, to commit crimes based on their perceived status, you know, as an Upper East Side sure. preppy. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just I, I feel like all of those things were very much sort of running through our consciousness, the cultural zeitgeist, when I was a kid at that time, hearing all this, all these stories that sort of mixed up in the cauldron of my little fevered imagination as a young person. <laughs> and this is where they wound up. Yeah, no, well, I, I think it, I mean, these, these are two cases that sort of like really capture, uh, you know, a certain period in New York. But, you know, be, uh, um, um, but I, I'd love for Krista could, to give our listeners just a kind of a, an overview of people and, you know, just a sort of a plot summary. The, so uh, just to, uh, to, to tease them into going out and getting the book. That's right. Uh, sure, yeah. Um, so essentially what you have is you have a woman working in the peep booths who discovers a videotape that has been hidden by a public access pornographer, <laughs> New Yorkers in the room on Ugly George, who we all <laughs> yeah, sure. know and love with his little metallic banana hammock and camera <laughs> rig walking around there. So she discovers this tape, which has some damning evidence uh, of a crime that took place in Central Park, and hijinks ensue. Yeah, okay. Um but it really takes you on a on a, a roller coaster ride through uh, uh, you know at Times Square that we can only imagine now um, uh, a New York City that uh, is uh, nothing like it now. I mean it's a it's pretty much of a theme park now. Well, uh, 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 Crystal, I mean, do you get back to New York? Uh, have you been to Times Square since uh, in recent days? I what, do. What's your take? I do. How, what's your Sad reaction to it? Sadly, uh, my mother, who, you know, lived there since I was a child, had to give up her apartment recently uh-huh. there, the apartment that I grew up in. And uh, so, yeah, the last time I visited her was at the New York City Comic Con, you know, and that was mm-hmm. the last time that I was there in that apartment, you know. And it was kind of sad and poignant because as sad as I am that that apartment is gone, it's that whole world is gone. I yeah. mean, my mother was basically living in a frat house. <laughs> you know, it was all done with 20-somethings. You know, there was a sign that had been put up in the lobby, a handwritten sign that said, please don't vomit out your window. <laughs> okay. They had to put up a sign. That's right. That's that right. Proper etiquette, you know. Yeah. Somebody had to put up a sign. So, yeah, it was. It was like living in a frat house. You know, and then plus at her age, six flights of stairs, walk yeah. up. Wow. You know, she just wasn't really able to do it. But yeah, it is it is poignant and sad to think that those that world where I grew up, I mean that that New York City that raised me as much as a parent yeah. is is now gone, dead and buried. But that's part of why this project was so important to me. Because I, I wanna share that. I, I wanna memorialize it it's a love letter to my new york city 
Well, it's a, that's the seamy. It's a seamy love letter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, well, you know, it, well, it's a it's a trip. It's a piece of social anthropology uh, too, I guess, as well as a kick-ass uh, crime story. Uh, look. I want to thank the both of you uh, for giving us some insight and some background on this project, and also to thank the both of you for being on More to Come. Well, thanks for having us, uh, Calvin. Our pleasure. All right. Thanks a lot, you guys. All right now. You bet.